Ladies and gentlemen, to those among you who are easily frightened, we suggest you turn away now. To those of you who think they can take it, we say, welcome to the madhouse. Hello and welcome to today's very special Hangover Morning Edition. I am your host, Joey, and with me today is the constant guest and resident lazy f***, Jimmy Faulkner. Yeah! How are you today? Very smelly. Same here. We uh, had a gig last night. Yeah. Went uh, very well. Yeah, you've had a wash. I've not had a wash. Yeah. Uh, I can feel the chicken shawarma riding around in my belly. It's making some noises, but it's best in town. Uh, yeah, it was really good. Yeah. But um, very filling. How are we doing? Yeah, lovely, lovely. Just uh, Dark Corners, written by and directed by Ray Gower. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Starring Thora Birch and Toby Stevens. Yes. So we know about Thora Birch. Do you know anything about Toby Stevens? Uh, I know he was in a very good film called Severance with Danny Dyer. Okay, I've not seen that. Oh, you need to watch that. I saw him in Black Sails, the TV oh, series on Prime, you... and he was amazing in that. Is that good? It's brilliant. Yeah, you'd love it. Okay. Right up your alley. Right up my alley. Right up your alley. It's piracy, by the way, in case you didn't get that. Yeah. Was this an independent film? I don't know. Why? Just because it had Do the you... look of it. It was, I don't think it was, but it was arty. I know what you mean. Yeah, really arty. It got good reviews at the film festivals, didn't it? I think people enjoyed it. They thought it was clever. Yeah, it is clever. I didn't uh, get it. Oh, okay. I went between, oh, I get it, and, and then doubting myself. And I don't think I'll ever be sure that I know what went on exactly well i'm gonna chuck well, you out some that theories. might be the point though don't you think yes i think so probably i enjoyed it though it's brilliant visually do you think the uh well we'll get into it okay but yeah my i have uh, my views on both sides of the good and evil worlds oh okay we haven't got a plot slot because as you mentioned in your wonderful intro that uh, i am a lazy f- was it or f- the resident lazy f- yes i think <laughs> but we could we could talk about what what kind of we'll give you the gist of what happened, can't we? Yeah, there's uh... Birch plays two characters, doesn't she? Susan Hamilton and Karen Clark. Yes, Susan Hamilton is. It's very whenever she's on, it's the light side, isn't it? Yeah, so she's there. She's there with her husband. Wants to get pregnant in a pristine world. Pristine world. He's taken her out to a bloody wood. That he's done up. Nicely, with candles for an anniversary. Yeah, but then... Well, it starts off with a murder, we should say, in the church. Oh, yes. Is that on the light side? It is, or is it the just, dark side? It doesn't really... Okay, it, it doesn't say. No, because if c- the cathedral or church they're in could fit oh, yeah, either yeah, side. Okay. But in the light side world, there is, there's a serial killer, isn't there, called the Night Stalker? Yes. On Susan Hamilton's side. 
he kind of transcends Sorry. both. Yes, but then in the in the dark side with Karen Clark isn't the, the serial killer's called Needle Tooth. Okay. And she lives Karen Clark. Let me am I saying is that her character's name before I we carry on anymore? I'm Sounds pretty sure right to me. I'm pretty sure it is, but I just want to double check. It's Karen Clark, thank you. So Karen Clark's in the dark side. She works at a morgue. Yes. And she, there is a serial... In her world, is very... How would you describe it? It's very... It's dark and gritty and grimy and... There's rubbish everywhere, isn't there? Floating yeah, about. it's quite shot, quite noir style. Yes. And what else? Uh, uh, there's a word. I don't know what that word would be. Yeah. Dark? <laughs> yes, the word I couldn't <laughs> think of was dark. Anyway. <laughs> It'll come to me. So... Whenever Susan goes to sleep, that's when we start seeing Karen. So it's like that's Susan's dream, isn't it? Yeah. But and then when Karen goes to sleep, you get Susan's part of it. So you don't never you're never sure who's actually sane. Yeah. Well, who's actually dreaming? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You got anything else to say on the matter? Uh, but the worlds start to blend into each other towards the end of the film, and the there's a murder in the real world. Yeah, Ser- uh, yeah, and the ending we will probably talk about in the next bit you're going to do. Well, yes, I'm, I'm going to talk about the theories. I've got this from dreadcentral.com because I'm lazy. So I'm going to chuck some theories at you. Okay. And you tell me if you believe them or not. Okay. So theory one is that Susan is actually dead from the start of the film. Yeah. Uh, this would explain why her mother is listening to a message Susan left at the end of the film before getting off. Yeah, that's the opening of the film, isn't it? Yes. Sat there, uh, all in black for the black veil, creaking in a chair. Yes. And then listening to a, uh, a phone message of her daughter saying, thank you for doing the washing. Yeah. Mm. From So from that first scene on, we are seeing a version of hell through the killer's mind. The bastard has to reveal his crimes through his victim's eyes for the rest of eternity, but this still does not explain the appearance of the cat-eyed kids. Do you remember them on the bus? Yeah. Uh, or the voyeuristic bums or Susan's alter ego, Karen. So that's one theory that Susan's dead. And we're seeing it through the serial killer's yeah, yeah. eyes. I, th- I assumed the cat-eyed kids and everything were just demons in the hellside. Yeah. Okay. Theory two is Susan is dead again. Susan is dead from the start, but this time she is the one who's stuck in hell. She pictures herself as a beautiful woman with a perfect life who just wants a child. However, as the film has shown us before, not everything as it is as it seems. Perhaps Karen isn't the real version. Instead, Susan is, and this may mean Susan is just a grudgy. Whore who has had several abortions is now paying for killing those children in hell. That would make sense of the constant references to vaginal bleeding, miscarriages, dead fetuses, and evil kids with cat eyes. So Shit. she and so, that guy uh, in the dark world stealing her kids. Yes, that's a horrible one. Yeah. Okay. I think <laughs> uh, that is all I've got. <laughs> okay. Which one do you think it is? It might I, not even be one of those. I think I like that Susan is dead from the start and it's 
Toby Stevens character, who's the doctor, yeah, is the serial killer, yeah, and he he has to live. He has to keep living that moment over and over again. I think that's yeah. how I'm seeing uh, it. What I my initial idea with the film was I thought it was a given they were all after watching the film that they were dead the whole time. Yes. So it's and it's hell. Yeah. The whole thing is one person's hell. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's Toby Stevens the killer. Yes. And he has to commit his crimes but through her eyes and feeling her pain like he never had empathy when he was alive and now he has he has that empathy by being Susan but also being Susan doing what he's doing it's just this rerun nightmare over and over and again and that's his eternity because they say at the end about hell is uh, basically reliving your sins on an endless loop yes so because at the end of the film when we see Susan dead and the the husband comes in and finds the doctor standing over Susan. Yes. He jumps in and starts beating the f*** out of him. Yeah. And then, boom, it, it flashes back and it's Karen woken up again. Yes. He's got bruises on her face from the start. Yes. The first time the we intro see Karen. Again. Yeah. yeah. Ah. And... It's a constant loop. Yeah. And then the mirror, uh, the image of her in the mirror flashes briefly to the Toby... Stevens's character, oh, the yes. doctor, yeah, uh, serial killer. So I think it's he. He has to live it like that, and then he has to have the realization that that's what's happening, and then he starts again with from scratch, like uh, Groundhog Day. Wow, he is a poor f- because I didn't want to watch this film more than once, and he's got to live in it forever. <laughs> Shit, you not like this film? <laughs> now that we're sort of explaining it, I kind of do, but it's not. It's not a film that I'm going to go back and watch again. Do you know what I mean? It's not The Shining. Oh, no. But that's setting the bar high. <laughs> okay. I, yeah, that's true. <laughs> try and think of a... Try it's a nice painting you've done there, child, but it's not exactly the Sistine Chapel. <laughs> 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 I will watch it again. Okay. Because um, I want to figure it out, and it's a puzzle. Now, okay, this is also very a confusing point. Was it set in England? No, or was it, it was set in, in the US? It was set it was in the US. In England. It was filmed in England, but it was set in the US. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Right. I d- also, it just looked like it was shot poorly. I think the. D- I mean, we'll get into this in a minute. Let's do this point and then we'll move on to Frights and Delight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because we're doing it anyway, nearly. Okay. But in the first 20 minutes of the film, I was I liked the intro. Yeah, and then that first murder, I was like, "Who falls asleep in the church randomly lighting a cigarette?" and and stuff like that. That I'll get into again later as well. But I think once you get it, you get it. Like it's all done on purpose. Yeah, the the light side is shot cheesy and like a soap opera, everything pristine. The music it irritated the hell out of me in that. Okay. Uh, yeah. But the birds are chirping. Everything's shot. It, with high um, exposure and everything's pristine and everything's perfect in a life apart from not being able to get pregnant and it's all set up that way and then he, the other side is just the opposite it's all angular camera angles you never look really straight at anything it's always you just look through yeah. stuff or down from stuff I thought it was very cleverly shot but I can see what you're talking about I also think it's purposeful yeah okay yeah I mean, yeah. Do you want to move on to Frights and Delights? Um, yes. Okay. I was going to make another witty comment, but 
Go on, give it a go. And no, I'll edit I it out when it's not. No, I, no, it's <laughs> fine. I was going to say something. Okay, like, moving on to like... Brights and Delights. Brights and Delights. Here we go, Frights and Delights. This is a 2001 Space Odyssey. We're talking about Dark Corners. This is not 2001 Space Odyssey. I'm glad you found that out. <laughs> the research on this podcast runs deep. Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> so, have you well, what are you starting with on Frights and Delights? I think you should start. Okay. And then I'll chime in. Okay. Uh, well, usually I look for making of stories and stuff like that. Yes. I couldn't find much on this film in terms of making of stories or behind the scenes shenanigans. Not many or no film anecdotes knocking around about this film. So Frights and Delights may be a bit shorter than usual, but I do have a few bits to talk about. I have one Fright slash Delight, but we've already kind of talked about it, because when they're driving in the film, they're driving on the wrong side of the road, because they're meant to be in the US, but they filmed it in England. So they're driving on the wrong side of the road in some of the shots. Oh. Well, they um, could have sorted that out, surely. Probably. It's just lazy. Yeah, sure. Maybe you just... It's not that easy. I mean, they'd have to close down roads. And uh, if it wasn't independent, not know. Well, that's true. It's only a little road, though, isn't it? So I suppose. Anyway, my next one... Uh, I haven't marked this as a fright or delight. Okay. I've just labelled this as a what the fuck. Oh, okay. Have you heard of angel lust? <laughs> uh, no, I haven't. Or is it sometimes called death erection? Sorry. Death erection. Death erection. Not an erection that can't hear. <laughs> an erection that happens. Oh, not a death erection. <laughs> no. Death erection. Yes. Right. And I bet there's a band out there called that. Well, if there isn't, Start there, it. there will be soon. Yeah. So you saw the dead man in the morgue, yeah? Yes. He had a bit of a stunk on. He had a right rager. <laughs> well, uh, when a man dies of sudden traumatic death, an erection can occur. You're shitting me. <laughs> no. <laughs> Which will stick around <laughs> through rigor mortis and become fixed in place. In some Renaissance art, Jesus was sometimes depicted on the cross with a death erection. <laughs> oh my God, I'm going to have to Google these images. These pictures were hidden by the Catholic Church for centuries, probably because it wasn't very proper or flattering. I think they just got sick of the here's risen jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect if you were caught painting one of these depictions, you were met with some sort of stiff punishment. <laughs> you know how rigid the church can be. Even a carpenter can't get wood. I mean, talk about Die Hard with a Vengeance. Nailed it. You're very good. <laughs> very good. Anyway, it can happen when you're alive. And it's just called priapism. What? That's just getting a stiffy, Or priapism. Well, yeah, but this could occur when you receive a severe head injury. Oh. As well as taking certain blue pills when not needed. <laughs> and I think it's classed if you have an erection that won't go away after four hours, even after certain tasks have been completed. <laughs> if you have a knob on when you die, <laughs> I don't believe they actually snap it in the film. I think from the weird rabbit hole I went down in the name of this podcast, <laughs> that they just tape it down. Or oh, you, wow. you are blessed with a bit of a shower. They can drain the penis. <laughs> and I don't know how, because I didn't want to find out. I imagine they lovely. stick a big needle in it, don't they? And syringe. Syringe yeah, it out. There's a... The blood doesn't stay liquid, though, when you die. But let's not go into it. 
I did see there may be a spider that can cause blood clots resulting in a deathly erection. <laughs> but by this point in my research, I had had enough internet for the day, to be honest, so I didn't check any further. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so let me just go back to a point. The Catholic Church banned drawings of Jesus with a with an erection. <laughs> yes, after, after death. Because it was too big or too small? I just... It was pointless and not very... Catholicy. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's right. Well, different times. Also, that's kind of this is kind of like the last kind of life kicking you in the bollocks. Really, like you're on. You you've died, and then people are stood around laughing at your either ridiculously small erection or your enormous large erection. And then <laughs> you're dead and they're laughing at you. It's like the universe's final embarrassment for you. Yeah. I do feel a bit better knowing that if it ever does happen, they don't snap it. Oh, well, I'd hope they don't snap it. Because that would be like all your existence on Earth and the last physical thing that happens to you is someone snaps your penis. That's, yes, it's it's horrible. I just like, like, just tuck it up in the trousers. Yep. Anyway. Tuck up in your waistband, doesn't it? That's the old trick. (laughs) (laughs) Right, let's move on. Take one away, Jimmy. Oh, right. Um, I don't know if it's a fright uh, or a delight. No, it's a delight, actually. When Thora Birch... Or it could be a fright, actually. Thora uh, Birch's character, Clarence, things are happening. She keeps waking up with bruises and stuff from her sleep. And so she sets up a camera in her room. Yeah. Never a good idea, I don't think. Although, I might try it one day, just to see what happens. Yeah. And then she's watching it bang, and it turns out that bloody needle tooth fella yeah. comes in and sleep rapes her. Yeah. It's a bit disturbing. Beats the shit out of her. Yeah. As well. While she's asleep. And yeah. then she's watched that back. That's terrifying. So that nasty shit is happening while... Susan? Susan's life is happening. Yes. Oh, what? Because Karen's asleep, so she's dreaming of Susan, I'm imagining, right? While all that shit's happening to her. Right. And does that mean that's happening while Susan's awake and we're watching... Anytime we're watching Susan awake, Karen's being abused oh, in her sleep. wow. But... Yes, I do think you right. Do they both exist as one in this or separate? Because we think it's the Toby Stevens killer guy. Oh, well, fuck, I don't know. Anyway. It's early in the morning. Let's just get my head around that. Right, I'm going to give you two stories of near-death experiences. (laughs) Please let one involve an erection. (laughs) (laughs) Give me a minute and I'll sort that out for you. (laughs) Whoa! Okay, however, unlike most near-death experiences or NEDs that tell stories of blissful emotions and diviner-like experiences, these stories are of experiences of hell. I found them on Cracked.com in an article written by Adam Todd Brown. So go and check that out, because this is only a couple of all of the ones he wrote about. So, uh, a man called Matthew Botsford was standing outside an Atlanta restaurant when a shot rang out. Two men who'd been denied entry into the establishment moments earlier in what has to be one of the most over-the-top customer service freakouts of all time were indiscriminately firing at the front of the building 
One of the bullets hit Botsford in the head. He remembers feeling a pain like a hot needle driving into his skull and falling to the pavement, at which point everything went black. He died three times on the way to the hospital before doctors finally put him into a medically induced coma that lasted for 27 days. F*** me. Shot in the head? Yes. Shit. His description of the things he saw while in, while in that coma are nothing short of terrifying. Mm. Things began with him shackled at his wrists and ankles, suspended in midair over a deep glowing red pit. Inside the pit, four-legged creatures... That's creatures with four legs, not four creatures that have legs. <laughs> they roamed the floor while smoke billowed up from the magma below. Each plume of smoke contained exactly one tortured soul suffering all alone. Well, you're going to say something then. I was just, just going to go, magma. <laughs> okay, I don't get that reference. Austin Powers. Okay. <laughs> Doctor Evil. <laughs> You think Satan's Dr. Evil. That would be hilarious. Uh, something else Botsford made uh, note of, the isolation. All around him he could hear the screams of millions of damned souls, but their company was meaningless because he understood that he was by himself and this would last for eternity. He's kind of overstating that loneliness because at one point a team of demons did show up to eat his flesh right off the bone, only to have it immediately grow back so they could eat it again. Finally, he was spared when a gigantic hand reached through the wall and pulled him out. As it did, he heard someone say, It's not your time. <laughs> well, that's... I imagine it would be like that. Yeah. It's a bit of a cliche, isn't it? Yes. Um, so he, this guy's dead. Is this, is it, this guy's got shot in the head. He's not dead because he told us the story. Wasn't yeah, it? he got shot in the head. Yeah. And then he's, he's had this and then he's told this story and then he's died. No, he survived. Oh, he survived? Yeah. Oh, I thought he died. No, yeah, no, he just woke up from the coma. Oh, he, oh right. Enough, so he died get three... a pencil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he died three times, and this is what he saw when when he died. Yes. Right. And, and now he's alive. Okay. There is a depiction of hell that includes a gigantic pit uh, in Vision of Drifelm that sounds similar to this. Okay. And I'm not going into detail about it. Have you followed up any research on this man? Like, is he living a good life now? That Now that he knows he's going, or he thinks he's going to hell? Or is he just out raping? I have no idea. I think if he was, you know, if he thought, I'm going to go to hell. And I don't think that's where the bar's set. <laughs> <laughs> he must have done something, though. If he believes in heaven yeah, and hell. he could just be a prick. Well, yeah, he could be. And then yeah, but I'm a prick. I don't think I deserve to go to hell just for being a prick. You're not a prick, prick. Right, okay. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it. Anyway, if anyone knows this man, I want to know his deets. Yeah, we've got another man to talk about now, anyway. <laughs> okay. Howard Storm. He was a de devout atheist for most of his life, and at the age of 38, he suffered a perforated stomach. And as you've probably gathered, it led to a near-death experience. So he was stabbed. It just says perforated stomach, which sounds like stabs, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, oh, mine's about to be perforated in a minute. This shawarma <laughs> doing all sorts to my belly. <laughs> he didn't start... Lots of people who have near-death experience, they seem to see their life through their eyes, called a life review. Yes. But this one didn't. Instead, it started exactly how most films that involve people dying and becoming ghosts tend to start. When he woke up, 
he could see people around his hospital bed, but they couldn't hear him. He'd stop someone walking in his direction to ask them a question and they'd breeze right through him. Not past him, through him. Okay. He was dead and he was a ghost. Soon he noticed a group of figures gathered at a door leading to a hallway. They urged him to follow him, to follow them, sorry, and he reluctantly stepped out into the hallway. Upon doing that, he found himself enveloped in a thick fog. The figures he'd followed into the hall were moving ahead and he followed along. On the first part of the journey, he described the figures as playful when they badgered him to keep up. He could see his hospital room when he looked back, but as he moved further, it got smaller and smaller. I don't know why that was a surprise, because that's what happens to things when you move further. <laughs> yeah, good point. I don't think that's just after you die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, as he followed the shadowy figures deeper into the fog, their demeanour changed. Soon it escalated to pushing and shoving, and next thing you know, they started to do what demons seemed to do a lot and decided to eat his flesh. Could they like that? He cowered on the ground, ready to give up, when a voice in his head, which he recognised as his own, said, Pray to God. Being a lifelong Ricky Gervais-level atheist, he responded to himself with the most honest answer possible. I don't know how. Oh. Still, when you're in hell, you throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. Lacking any formal prayer training... (laughs) That's a weird way of saying this. (laughs) He just started shouting out random phrases, like, Our Father who art in heaven, and one nation under God. Uh, I think I'd go with the power of Christ compels you. Yeah, 14 times. 14 times, yeah. (laughs) In short order, he was saved from his fate by way of divine intervention. Which means a hand probably came through the wall and said it's not your time. Yeah, probably. Um, I think... So that's my fright. That was a fright, by the way, that story. I like that. F*** me. Um, I think... If my life flashed before me, before I died, I think it would be a constant hangover. And then Nat occasionally going, have you done the washing, Jimmy? (laughs) (laughs) You've lived a full life. Uh, Yeah, constant headache. (laughs) That's the booze, not Nat. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Have you got anything else for fights? Uh, No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Let's uh, mosey on over there, Jimmy. To the master of the macabre. Master. Welcome to the Master of the Macabre. All right. All right. Me and Jimmy are going to decide who gets the honourable mention and who gets the Master of the Macabre Award medal. Medal. What I'm looking for. Yeah. Um. Go on there, Jimmy. Who's your honourable mention or mentions? Um. I will say Toby Stevens, who played Dr. Woodley. Okay. Uh, if you're putting a baddie in a film, obviously, got to be English, isn't they? Apparently. <laughs> yeah, sure. He's a bit creepy. He's a bit weird. Yeah. Yeah, he was my honourable mention. I wasn't, well. yeah, I wasn't sure if it was just his poor acting skills or whether he was meant to be like that. I think he was meant to be like that. <laughs> right, okay. I, c- I can't imagine that it was not meant to be like that because I've seen him in other stuff and he's brilliant. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Uh, I thought he was right in this. Anyway, I don't know what you're talking about. Crazy fool. Uh, just being <laughs> sassy. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I've seen him in James Bond. Have you seen him in James Bond? No, what James Bond? The world is not enough. Is that how it goes? Doctor, no. No, the world is not enough. <laughs> I literally just said the words. <laughs> 
Who is he in James Bond? He plays, I can't remember his name, he's the bad guy who is not really a white guy. He's a Korean guy with diamonds in his face. Die another day. And, uh, is that, oh, is it die another day? Yeah, just okay. it. Uh, this sword fight, they do fencing around a posh building. Yes. Yeah? I can't, I can't, yeah. I anyway, think so. I think it's so. good. Storyline was a bit weird, but he was good. Yeah. There's no golden eye. That's just classic. Yeah. Die Another Day is the Bond film that the first half is absolutely amazing and then it just goes off the rails. One of the best Bonds, though, Piers Brosnan. Mm, yeah. Anyway, let's not. This is this is a horror podcast. Let's Let not know. Talk, we'll talk about James Bond. <laughs> yeah, your favourite James Bond. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I have four: Connery, Moore, Brosnan, and Craig. Oh, f- Craig. Oh, if only. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're off on a tangent. Let's yes. move back to Master of the Macabre. Oh, okay, who's winning? Toby Stevens so far. No, but who gets the medal? Oh, who's, who's winning? I thought you meant like master. as a contest. <laughs> who's winning? But out of uh, me, you, and Toby <laughs> Stevens, it's definitely Toby Stevens. Yeah, yeah. Definitely not me. My mistress of the macabre is Thora Birch. Yes. Again. Yes. Which is a monumentous occasion. Do you know why? Why? First person to ever win two Madhouse Podcast Master of the Macabre medals. Excellent. And these aren't even her two best films. No, not even close. <laughs> <laughs> like I've said before, it's definitely not the whole... No, we'll do the whole one day and she'll get a third medal probably for that. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, fair play. And American Beauty. Yeah. Okay. L- a little bit away from our genre, but still. Uh, have you seen any of the new Walking Dead? Hocus Pocus. Let's do that. No, I haven't. Have you? Yes. Up it, to date. It, is it good? Yes. Thora good? She's very good. I don't want to say too much to you because you haven't seen it. I yes. so have far. not seen the season before season uh, 10, which is season 9. I can count. <laughs> I've seen season 8. <laughs> um, because I'm watching it on Prime when it comes around. So season nine should be, I'm guessing when season 10 finishes, season nine will be available on Prime. Yeah, probably. But yeah, she's very good in that so far. Good. Okay. I watched Hocus Pocus the other day with my boys for the first time. Oh, what do they think? They loved it. It's a great film. Yes. I had forgotten that the man got his lips sewn together. How did they find that? Uh, A little bit weird. Yeah, because he's... Yeah. Um, He cuts it open and all the... Dust flies out. Yep. Oh, I used God. to watch that film a lot to the point where my mum banned it in the house. <laughs> and when I say a lot, I mean like twice a year, but every, so it doesn't seem like a lot to you as a kid. Yeah. But I suppose as an adult, you get sick of the same Christmas films, yeah. Halloween stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That was my go-to. But it was good to watch it again. And The NeverEnding Story showed them that as well. Brilliant. That's a great film. That's that's fucking sad though. Yeah. I was talking through the horse dying. Yeah. It's just in a tank of water and it's acting and it lives in a field now with lots of nice green grass. Probably doesn't. It doesn't because it was made in 84 and that <laughs> horse is well dead. <laughs> but still, I'm not going to say that to them. Anyway, Thora Birch. Yes, back on track. Such a good performance, yeah. I reckon, from Thora Birch in this film. She plays two characters with different personalities in different worlds. Maybe each interpretation is what both of the characters would be in each. A different world. Do you know what I mean? If Karen yeah. was in Susan's world and Susan yeah. was in Karen's world, but she played like twins separated at birth. Yeah, it's, yeah, she's popped a black wig on, and she's suddenly a different. Yeah, but it's a, it's a different. It is a different person though. It's a different character. She acts differently. For I know. It. Yeah. Um, but my point was like, 
if Susan had was a child and brought up in Karen's world and vice versa, they probably would have turned out like each character. Yes, I see what you're saying there, actually. Sorry. <laughs> Excited? <laughs> yeah, got very got very animated there. Actually, at one point during the film, I thought that maybe they were twins and that the, the two worlds were the same in the, in the world. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that they were twins separated at birth. That yeah. was one of my theories that I flew around in my head whilst watching it and then realised I was completely wrong. Yeah, completely. Um, but I get what you mean, though, because they are... I think they're supposed to be what the other one would be in a different... Like, if you put one child in one area and another child in another, separate them at birth, they will turn out differently. Yeah. It's a good experiment. I'm sure the Nazis did something They like definitely that. did. Mm. And some other horrific stuff. But Thora Birch, don't want to go down another tangent. <laughs> Uh, it's two different acting jobs in one film and she did them both justice and I thought she get paid double for that or was that a stupid question <laughs> no I don't think she would have got paid double for that no it's a stupid question then. <laughs> uh, either way <laughs> she's done a damn good job my opinion she should definitely be the first ever to win two Master slash Mistress of the Macabre Awards yes fair play well done good uh, on you anything else you want to add uh, she hasn't received her first medal because we haven't sent. We don't have any. No, because it's fictional. We, we, and we've. Yeah. I'm. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm far too lazy to be sending, to be going to the post office and sending stuff out. Yeah. Well, I do it a lot anyway, but I could do it. I just haven't, and I don't think she'd care. I don't so think she'd care either. I think it'd go straight in the bin. No one who ever gets a Master of the Macabre Award will ever, ever know that we exist. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. Yeah. Should we move on to the rating system and maybe cheer ourselves up a bit? Yeah. Cheers. Move on to the Madhouse rating system. The Madhouse rating system. Welcome to the madhouse rating system we're gonna pull ourselves out of this dark corner hey you did it <laughs> first up we've got tension and suspense well this film for me took its sweet time getting to the point <laughs> and sometimes that can result in some awesome tension build up but i didn't feel that was the case here i don't mean it doesn't have tension and suspense because it really does and it's done well when it happens. It just seems to take a while to get there. I think in that first 20 or so minutes, it feels like we're being handed some pieces to a puzzle when we're unaware that we're even meant to be doing a puzzle in the first place. Yeah, you've been handed these pieces, but you haven't got the picture of your, what puzzle you're supposed to be making. Yeah, someone's just turned up and put them on the table. Yeah. And we're, are we meant to do that? Yeah. So, um, yeah, the intro's awesome. With the uh, grieving mother on a chair, got me really in the mood. For what? The, a horror film. <laughs> right. <laughs> you said it Death quite... Direction. You said it quite sexual. <laughs> Man, that's, well, yeah. I'm glad that's not my sexy voice. I don't have a sexy voice, to be honest. Uh, let's move on. Um, <laughs> so, that intro, I believe, is the morning mother creaking in a rocking chair, dressed in all black, replaying the last message a daughter ever left her. It fades to black. The score jumps in. Boom, briefly, before the murder in the church scene, which was a little weird. But after what I consider to be a slow start, saved by a good performance from Thora Birch, 
it starts to get really gritty in the hellish side of things with some nice little hints of danger, full-on chases through the streets and awesomely creepy mortician. Yes, he was. Yeah, he was good. I could, oh, yeah, we should have given him an honourable mention. He was good. What we're doing now? And the woman who snapped the dick. What? She was quite funny. Yeah. Oh, well. Give them an honourable mention. There you go. I don't know your names. Oh, well. Tension and suspense in this film, it comes and goes. I wasn't a huge fan of the setup of the non-Hell side. Yeah. Uh, not much until the end of the film. There wasn't any real tension and suspense. It was more like a drama. Yes. Yeah. Um, except that weird woman in the waiting room who pissed on the chair. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway. Yeah, there were some funny bits in this film, actually, thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. And I think she was purposefully otherworldly. You know, the way she smiled and looked at yeah. um, Susan. It was weird. They should have played more on the comedy. They should have made it more funny, I think. <laughs> really? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. When they did it, that was done well. The funny bits. Yeah. <laughs> Don't sit in that chair. <laughs> uh, that's all I got for tension and suspense. What are you saying then? Star, nay, star. Uh, what do you reckon? I'm half a star to a star. I'm thinking half star. Okay. Half star. Half star. Okay. Next up we have, um, is it gore and visual effects? It is. Yes. Well, the good side of, we'll say the good side of this film is in the good side in the world of, in within this film. It's clearly going by the book in its appearance of an idyllic world. It has a bright golden hue of light shining on the pristine life of Susan Hamilton, who has everything anyone could want with the exception of a child. Yeah, nice uh, house. If you want a child, obviously. Yeah, not well, everyone yeah. does. Uh, where the visual effects of this film really hit the mark, though, is in the evil side of Karen's world. It's grimy, gunky, populated by all manner of dirty, desperate people, every single one of which is just odd and disgusting in their stalking little habits. Very bad oral hygiene. <laughs> yes. He was um, filing his teeth, wasn't he? Yes. Needle tooth. Very strange. Uh, all the kids reminded me of like that a Victorian... All right, Gavna? Child. In look. Yeah, like right. a chimney sweep. Yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah a, chimney, a chimney sweep. Chimney sweep. Yeah, you said... I said, I said chimney, I think, the first time. Did you? Yes. Okay. Um... But I get the sense that every single detail of that side of the story, from the props to the splashes of dirt, were picked and placed with painstaking attention. And I think it really paid off that side. Yeah, definitely. It's horror noir, is what I wrote down here for the feel of it. That's very good. That's very good. The whole aesthetic of that world, I really liked it. Um, Some very clever shots, as well uh, with props just placed in the foreground out of focus. It kind of gives the sense that we don't have the full picture. We don't know what's happening. Or it's just disrupting the image enough to give a sense of Karen being watched by some unknown entity. I feel like they really went for some good stuff in that dark world. Yes. Clever stuff. Not obvious gore. Yeah. (laughs) In terms of gore... The gutted body on the altar is well done at the beginning. <laughs> uh, dripping blood. It sets the mood for the film. 
Yeah. And that throat slit that follows is very detailed and graphic. I thought you'd like that. I did like that. But does that whole scene, whole scene seem odd to you? Uh, okay, yes. She stops for a nap in a church, which is getting set up for a wedding because she's shouting to her brother that she's not doing all the work or something. But there's no one else around when a wedding is about to happen. She also backs into the killer's arms almost voluntarily. Oh, yeah. The door doesn't open. She goes, oh, no. She looks and sees he's there, but Carrie's like, oh, no, you've got me. Oh, what an idiot. Anyway, the gore's great in that scene and the rest of the film. Yeah. There's bits where um, in the dark, in the dark world, lots of gore knocking around. Yeah. Um, so I would give it a star for gore and visual effects. If I was going to take anything away, it's because the light world, the good world, irritated me. The music irritated me. It, yes, it irritated me. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the point. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Right, what are you saying? Star? I'd give it a star. Star. We're at one and a half stars. Next up, we have performance. Yep. <laughs> I think you're the same as me with performance. I find it difficult to put a pin in some of them. Yeah. Uh, if I had to pick an overall score out of all the performances, I would say it was like average. An average performance? Yes. Yes. But that's lumping everyone together on a shared grade type thing. That's true, because you've got two big big names in there. Yeah. Thora Birch and Toby Stevens at the top, and then you've got all the supporting cast. Yeah, there were uh, two amazing performances, I thought. Yeah. Toby Stevens is always reliably a good performer. I thought there was no exception here. Yeah, he's good at being the British man. Well, he's got a British accent. I know, he's British. Yeah. Born for the role. Thor <laughs> uh, Burch knocks it out of the park. Another reliable performer who, who always does exceptionally well. Uh, she's essentially playing two characters here and she gets the tone and feel of both of them bang on. I just feel that some of the rest of the cast weren't up to their standards. The reason I find it hard to put a pin in the overall performance is because I can't tell if the people that put me off are actually doing a great job and are meant to be occasionally stilted and cliched because they are essentially not real, and their characters are playing that cliche of the perfect husband or perfect best friend or whatever. Or the, I mean? cre- or the creepy morgue The creepy guy morgue guy, yeah. And the, the woman who snaps dick. Yeah. <laughs> She's a bit over the top. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I see your point. I see, actually, I see what you're saying there. Because if they're not, if they're, they're not real, and they're hamming it up to be not real, yeah. then... Is that good acting or is that bad acting? They're just it's good acting, isn't it? I think it's good. Yeah. But they're meant to be these. I mean, this like film's a mindfuck. Like if you told fuck. a robot to pretend to be someone's best friend from like a, a drama soap opera. Yeah. Then they, they'd, or an AI. Yeah. They'd pick out certain things and really push those parts of that character's yeah. personality. Yeah. So. I think it's good performance, because I think we've found the answer. Okay. And I think I was just being an idiot watching it to start off with. <laughs> and also, I hate criticising people for doing something that's beyond my talents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's true, because we have no clue whatsoever. No. I mean, yeah. You've heard our accents if you've listened to the podcast before. <laughs> Terrible. So I would give it a star for performance. Let's give it a star. It's nice. two and a half stars. Next up, we have... Musical score and sound effects. 
Well, I've already dissed the musical score from yeah, the Nightworld. You don't like it. The music that runs throughout the film differs depending on whether you're in the good or evil side of things. The good side of things has this really annoying, irritating, idyllic music. Sorry, music. <laughs> Jimmy tells me I say that wrong all the time. <laughs> music or music? Music. Music. On my stereo. How do I say? <laughs> stereo. <laughs> How am I meant to say stereo? Stereo. Stare. Stereo. Not stare. It's not S-T-A-I-R. I play music on my stereo. All right? Anyway. It has a annoying. Well, you've got a real complex about that now, haven't you? <laughs> well, we were recording, and you said that, and Sam, my wife, went, "Yeah, he does say stuff weird." <laughs> so now I'm just really um, trying to figure out my life oh. from scratch. I don't play the English guy very well. <laughs> um, but yeah, that music was a bit too on the nose for me. Do you know? I know it was meant to be because we've already talked about what they were going for. Yeah, but. It pushed me to the point of being irritated. It made it seem like an advert for an air freshener or something. I know that's the point of that part of the film, to be perfect, but it, it grated me. Yeah, because yeah, when, when you see her body at the end in the nice worlds, that room does look like a perfect room that would be on an air freshener advert. Yeah. Yeah. All like, the type of thing, you know. Get rid of your dead. Some pill where you, it stops the shits or something, and everything's perfect. Yeah, I am. I I need one of them. You can now. imagine someone skipping through the bedroom, and going, "I don't need to shit anymore." <laughs> <laughs> uh, the dark side of the film had a much better sound in every aspect. It had that bedside alarm. Oh, that bedside that alarm was horrible. Was am- yeah, but it was amazing. It was just like, it was a, it was like a foghorn. Insanely loud thing. It was amazing. Yeah. And then it had the choir style male voice male voices going on, like evil monks singing with the strings and an impressive array of instruments. I think it had some deep brass playing in there. It reminded me a little bit of what's that film that was also a gate? Silent Hill. Yes. That dark yeah. place had that kind of yeah, silent yeah. hill thing going on. Yeah, in it its did. look as well, the yes. sound actually when yes. I think about it. It also had like whisper chanting, like. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, uh, well, it did. They okay. weren't saying scary film stuff, but I don't know what they were saying. Okay. But that was creepy as f. <laughs> and the male droning voices kind of rose and rose over that, and then the deep horn came in. <laughs> <laughs> Just heard that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> but you did the action as well. Which is quite <laughs> I did, <weird>. yeah. <laughs> Wow. Anyway, <laughs> that intro really made me jump with the fade to black, the grieving mother, straight into the loud monk style singing. Very well done. I, uh, on terms of scoring it, I want to give it a star because I think that m- music <laughs> might just be annoying me. Well, hearing maybe you... not everyone else. Yeah, hearing you describe it, I think. What are we on? We're on two and a half stars. Yeah. I don't think we should give it a full star. Yeah. I think should have a half. A half a star for half the dark star. side. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Boom. What are we on now? We are on overall experience. Okay. And what score are we on now? We're on three stars. Three out of five. Yeah. Overall experience, I will watch it again because I want to 
figure out that puzzle that someone slammed down on the table in front of me. <laughs> um, so it's rewatchable, but I'm not going to revisit it in 10 years. No, I don't think I will either. Like, it's just, it's it's a thinker. It's a m- bit of a mind. Yeah, and I don't think you're meant, I, I like it when films don't hand you the answer. I yeah. don't want that puzzle almost finished and there's just one piece left for me to put in. Yeah, yeah. So I did. I enjoy the after of a film going, what the f*** did I just watch? I need to think about this for a bit. Oh, I need answers, damn it, and I want them now. Oh, you need answers. I need answers and I want them now. Okay, well... And nobody can give me them about this film. No, because I don't think there is one. Exactly, I... which is, that's annoying. I think that's good, though. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um. So, well, my overall experience, I like it. Yep. If it's a full star, I don't know. Thor is great. Toby's good. Um, Let's, I'm saying half. I say I say this film is altogether should be three and a half stars. Three and a half out of five. Yeah. Okay. I think that's fair, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There you it, go. Yeah, it is. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Don't know why I'm questioning you. Because <laughs> it's true. It's three and a half. Three and a half. There you stars. go. Out of a possible six out of five. Yeah. Because of the way we do this works out a bit strange. But there you go. Dark Corners. And if you've not seen it, go and have a watch. I think you should if you haven't. Some people will love it. Some people will not love it. Some people will be middle of the road, just kind of want to figure it out. Maybe watch it again one day. It's divisive, I think. From the reviews I saw, it was divisive as well. I think it got average scores Yeah. on review sites. But that that was also a split between we think it's really good to we think it's not good. But I also think, like you, people, if the answer's not there, it irritates them. Yes. Yeah. Maybe oh, people um, feel like they wasted their time. Yeah, a little bit cheated. But I didn't feel cheated. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Hey, hey, no one likes all the same stuff. No. And we disagree all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in fact, you like to train more than me. I did. I thought that was a better film. <laughs> I really thought that was a better film. <laughs> okay. I think we what were harsh we on that? the scoring. We gave that half a star. Did we? I think so. Or a star. Well, at least we've done another Thor Birch film. <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> give ourselves a bit of redemption. Anyway, I've got a bonus bit because I thought we might have a bit of time left due to not finding tons of information out there about this film. So, I mean, this isn't a huge thing. It's something I've been meaning to do for a couple of episodes. Okay. And it's not interesting for you <laughs> oh because <laughs> i've already told you oh but when i started this podcast i did as most people would do their due diligence and check there were no other podcasts with the same name then we released our trailer and our first episode or two and after that i saw another podcast arrive on the scene with a trailer for their new podcast and it had the same name <laughs> so i got annoyed and was like why didn't they check and then i forgot about it and i remembered a few weeks ago about this other podcast and checked out what they were doing and it was still just a trailer in their feed, no episode. So I was curious, had a listen to the trailer. It was a cute young girl who I think was Australian talking excitedly about making a podcast. She was going to do one. It was called The Mad House because she was going to talk about all the crazy stuff that happened in their house and the antics they get up to. It was very cute. It was very well done and well made and I felt horrible because I was like, oh shit. In my mind, I just went straight to what if they set up the podcast, set up the feed, had this idea as a young child, got up and actually done something <laughs> that could have been really fun. And then they've seen that someone else just beat them to it with a name. And it's a lot of work to get to that point. It takes a lot of work to set up a podcast. 
get the artwork and everything sorted. And they'd done everything really well. So maybe they got disheartened disheartened that we beat them to publishing by a month or so. And they may not have seen us. They may not have carried through with publishing episodes because they didn't want to and they lost interest. Who knows? I just wanted to let people know that they should go and listen to that trailer. Maybe they will see they've had some listens and maybe they will start up again. Okay. Because I felt bad about being annoyed. I don't know. I think it's probably just a kid and they've probably just decided to go to the park. Probably. Go to the park? They seemed really interested. (laughs) She's Australian, right? Yeah, she was. And I don't know what that was. Got sand in my pants. (laughs) They all got that? What, sand in my pants? Yeah. I don't know, it's a rust song. Anyway, I only wanted to spend a couple of minutes saying that so people can go and have a listen because I did feel bad. Post the link. Have you got a link? Post uh, the link. I'll find it. the link and I'll post it on Facebook. Post it on Facebook. Uh, search The Madhouse in your podcast app and they should come up as well as us. Oh, I'm going to have a listen later. Uh, it's only a one minute trailer, but it's really well made and I, I just felt bad so I wanted to put that out there. I want everyone to go and download that trailer so that little girl All right. and her brothers and sisters or whoever else was going to make it with her gets excited and makes it. Okay. I also want to quickly mention before I do my film choice, that we were talking about trying something new at some point. Yep. Trying out some guests. Oh, okay. Starting with our own band members. Yep. Maybe. So we can practice on them. Definitely practice, yes. And then maybe some members of other bands in the horror scene or the punk scene about their favourite horror film. They'll come in and they'll just join in doing what we do. Yes. As a guest. It may not be for a while. I need to figure out how to record three people. We're not technically minded and we are skint. So <laughs> we may have to save up for equipment. But I think it'll be fun once we figure it out. Definitely. Uh, I'm thinking we'd have one of, my, one of our band members on every few episodes to start off. Yeah. I don't know who to start with, end with. Anyway, I just wanted to chuck that out into the world. Because now I've said it and it's out into the world, it'll motivate me. Yeah, we've to, actually got to do it to now. To get on with it. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. Okay? Yeah, go on then. What have you got for you your film for choice? my film choice? Yeah. Here we go. Let me just check. This better be a banger. If it's not 2001 Space Odyssey, I want to know about <laughs> it's it. It's not The Shining, because we've got to save that. God damn it. Okay, ready? Yes. A radio host interprets the possible outbreak of a deadly virus which infects the small Ontario town he is stationed in. That's Pontypool? It is Pontypool. Yeah. <laughs> that was a... Re- well, it wasn't a request. It was a request. Someone asked for it in our competition we ran a few weeks ago. Oh, right. And it piqued my interest. Yeah, you said it was a different type of horror film. Yeah, it's good. good. I like it. I like that. It's a fantasy horror thriller is what it's uh, classed as officially. So I'm looking forward to that. I've got the DVD. Excellent. So I'm all ready to go on that. Excellent. Good stuff. You got anything else you need to say? Not really, except this swarmer is about ready. It's about cooked. (laughs) It's about ready to come out of the oven. Oh, dear God. (laughs) On that note, I'm going to end this endless cycle of hell that our listeners are going through right now. And I'm going to call time of death for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Got to air this room out. Right. Put the tape over the door. Thank you for listening to the podcast and sitting through Jimmy's descriptions. Uh, We will see you in the next two weeks with the episode Pontypool, released in 2008. In the meantime, please check out our Facebook, our Instagram, share this podcast around all the places where podcasts can be shared. And we will see you in two weeks' time for the next episode of the Madhouse Podcast. Yeah! People have stood around 
laughing at your ridiculously small erection 